Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi there, this is Mimi from Philadelphia. I had a question about PE ratios. You speak of PE ratios when you are talking about the value of a stock and provides unbiased answers. All right, great call. And I want to broaden this out and look at ratios in general. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Henry from Los Angeles, California. And I love what you guys do for all of us. So anyways, I bought Fiverr. This is F-V-R-R. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, May 12th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour, and we're going to unpack a lot. It was a wild day in the markets, definitely a lot of red. And for your new investors, this is a market. This is what markets do. They go up as well as go down, and you have to be prepared for the type of volatility that we're seeing because this is not atypical. This is very typical of what normal markets do. And that's why you have to be prepared and act accordingly and prepare your portfolio. Know that this is a new regime of higher interest rates, lower dollar, uh, different types of companies that work. Typically boring companies. Not the boring company, but boring companies. Okay, And while pretty much most stocks were down today, it definitely is a time where there's, there, there, there's transition. And I am here to help you with that transition. And we are operating on this show just like every weekday with the mission statement of independent thinking and shared success. So I'm not Kramer. I'm not pounding buttons. I'm not blowing whistles. I'm just giving you the facts as I see them. No matter what I'm talking about, whether that uh, is an individual stock, a, a sector, a particular strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to present it with without bias. And I'm Justin Klein, and of course, I encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you should get to shape the show to your liking. So I encourage you to interact with me now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a message after hours on our Best Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number changes, 888-99-CHART. And let's get to our first listener question now. Hi, Steven Justin. This is Henry from Los Angeles, California. Uh, I love the show. I'm a big time listener and I love what you guys do for all of us. So anyways, I bought Fiverr. This is FVRR when it was, I think it's still overvalued, but I bought them at 285 and right now the price is at 183. So my question is, what do you do in this type of situation? Do you accept losses and try to move on from the, from this type of company or do you try to break even or just wait for it to pull back. I'm a fairly new investor, so I'm just trying to see how I can, what, what, what I can do in this type of situation. Thank you very much, and I'll wait for your response in the podcast. Thank you. Well, you're making 
what it sounds like is one of the biggest mistakes that new investors make, which is they try to break even. You're down, you're like, oh, I just need to get it back to even. This is this is charting 101, and that's why when things get back up to uh, certain volume uh, levels, and, and, and there's a lot of complexities in that, but it's the natural instinct to try to break even. Uh, and what you set here, what you see here is you bought an overvalued company. You just said it. It's down, what, from its high? Let's take a look here. From its 52-week high, it's already down 50% from its 52-week high, and much, and probably down, what, 30 40% from where you bought it. And you just said it's still overvalued. It means you over bought an overvalued company. Company still, after going down 50%, is trading at 26 times enterprise value to revenue. We know whenever anything gets over 20 times enterprise value to revenue, it's odds of you making money in the long term on that are extremely low. And they're bad at 10 times. And right now it's at 26. What that tells you is this has a lot more room to go down. Sell it. Take your losses. Part of investing is taking losses, especially when you are looking at an environment that is not kind to the type of company that you're looking at or that you own. Excuse me. This is mid to late 2001. We've already hit the peak in the story stocks, in the ARC investments of the world, the Teslas of the world, the the Zooms of the world, the Pelotons of the world. Those are some of the big names. There's a lot of smaller names as well that are just trading at egregious valuations, similar to where we were with a lot of names back in 2000. Now, it doesn't mean all those names go bankrupt or uh, they go away. Many of those names survived, but a lot of them still are not back to where they were back in 2000. Cisco's an example. And so you need to take your losses. Right? Cisco, it hit a high of about $80 a share. Right now it's at $51.60. You're still not back there. And Cisco has survived. It's been a very successful company. And you still have not broken even. Because you, th those people at 80 purchased it at just egregious valuations. And that's what you're seeing across the board on a lot of the, the tech names. And Fiverr is just lumped in there with it. It's a platform where people buy and sell digital services. And they, they make money now, which is good. But still, once again, trading at 500 times trailing earnings. Even looking at forward earnings, we're talking about over 100 times earnings and 26 times revenue. So learn your lesson. Adjust your portfolio. And this goes for all of you. Learn to take losses. When the market is not going the way of that particular type of company especially, you need to move on and find a strategy that works. And that's what I'm here, I'm here to help you with. Now, my focus point today concerns the story, the Fed, or is the Fed endangering the global reserve status of the dollar? We're going to go over Stanley Drunkenmiller's comments. He's a titan of the investment world. And he's saying for the first time in his lifetime, he sees the potential end of the dollar's reserve status. So we're going to go over that. But let's take a look at the market today. You had the NASDAQ down 357 points, about 3%. Very, very uh, strong down day. 
and I think there's still a lot more room to go uh, to the downside. But uh, we are entering potential bounce territory. Now, the S&P, that was down 89 points, a little over 2%. So definitely more modest there. The, the Dow itself, that was only down 681 points, also down about 2%. Uh, so you're seeing equities really sell off. And the main reason here, simple. Something that hasn't really shown up in a long time, which is the higher interest rates. Typically, when equities go down, interest rates go, uh, go down as well flight to the dollar. The problem here is the Fed has backed itself into a corner. Interest rates are going up because inflation is going up. Why is inflation going up? It's because the Fed, along with Congress, are decimating the value of the dollar. Okay? And that pushes people away, not people, but foreigners away from buying treasuries, which increases the yield on on uh, on treasuries. And what's the Fed going to have to do? Well, they're going to have to step up again. They're going to have to increase QE because the deficit's so high to and to try to to protect from interest rates really really taking off. Well, that's what that, what's that going to do? It's going to make the dollar go down. And that's the new cycle that we're in. It'll eventually break in some way, but the question is how. Typically it breaks in the dollar getting so weak, inflation getting so hot that it creates a political crisis. That's likely what's going to happen. Now, does that have to happen next week or next month? No. This is typically more of a process. And both sides, the Fed, the, the Congress, can kind of step back a little bit and try to prevent that. But that comes with other consequences. And it's just not politically expedient right now. What's politically expedient is to spend and spend and spend. And so that's what you're going to see. Now we're heading into a quick break, but you've got finance and investment questions. And I'm here on duty, ready to help you right now. Give Invest Talk a call at 888 chart Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's head over to Stockton and talk with Wesley. He's looking at Haynes Brands. Hey, hey, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling because of Haynes HBI. Um, I've been following the chart for a while and hoping to get in, and I had a nice dip. I was get, hoping to get in around 18, but um, I was wondering what your, what you, how you look at it, and your price entry point would be. Well, it is getting to some decent support here, and you're going to get you're entering a support zone between about 17.75 and call it 18.50. Right now you're at 18.76. So uh, I do think it is into some support. And, you know, it's a value play. And value stocks are, are doing better than, than average. And this is also in some ways a reopening play because most of Haynes Brand's products, which include Haynes, obviously, Champion, Playtex, Bali, and Bonds, those are their main uh, brands of, 
uh, athletic apparel and you know underwear and, and and basics and so they typically sell in stores that's where they compete the best they have a lot of shelf space there so uh in part it's a it's a reopening play as well so from a technical perspective this is definitely a, a decent support zone now it has had a nice run from a low of seven and change now we're at 18 and so just understand that this could have more downside volatility um, if, for whatever reason, the market continues to sell off. The next support level after this area would actually be around $17. So those are the two areas that I would be interested. I'd probably start some of my position uh, from looking to get into it uh, around this area and put the rest on if it gets down to 17 Thanks for the call. Awesome. Thank you. Now, my focus point today concerns the story the Fed is endangering the global reserve status of the dollar. And this is comes from Stanley Drunken Miller. He's, like I said at the top of the show, a titan in the investment world. And he says that the Federal Reserve's policies aimed at keeping markets and the economy afloat could end up threatening the long-term health, health of the U.S. dollar. And this was on CNBC, I believe, and he basically said what I've been saying for a while, which is the Fed is enabling and monetizing the debt. They're enabling Congress to spend really whatever they want. And historically, both parties are, are terrible when it comes to, to spending. The, the deficit goes up under both parties. Republicans typically at least speak a lot more about fiscal responsibility and fiscal uh, conservatism. But the reality is that both parties have, have kind of gotten us here uh, from passing more stimulus as well as historically passing more entitlements. For example, the Medicare Prescription Drug Act, was, which was passed in, I believe, 2002, 3 under, under Bush. And now you're in the heart of not only a massive stimulus plan, but baby boomers retiring in droves partly because of the pandemic, but also partly because they're just getting older. And the majority of baby boomers are now over the age of 65. And all those people are collecting Social Security as well as Medicare benefits. And what Drunken Miller says is that central banks have kept the foot on the accelerator of the economy for too long and driving inflation and being fiscally irresponsible. And really blames the Fed for underwriting, allowing interest rates not to go up and thus not creating any urgency to reduce or limit the amount of spending out there in the economy. And he says, over the long haul, the heavy deficits and debts will threaten the dollar's world, world reserve currency status. And I agree with him. It's hard for me to argue. Foreign holdings of government bills are down 2% over the last year. 2%. Doesn't sound like a lot. But think about how much our deficit has grown over the last year. So in percentage terms, it's gone down. They now own about a third of public debt. But guess what? Foreigners, foreign governments are not going to stand this level of fiscal irresponsibility. 
You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call at 888 chart The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk with Rahud in Canada. He's looking at FIDI, which looks to be the Fidelity International High Dividend ETF. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. Uh, this is mainly uh, blue chip companies, uh, international blue chip companies from the brick and mortar eco- economy. And I believe they are, most of them are value stocks. And they also stand to gain if the US dollar uh, uh, goes down. So I just wanted to get your opinion on this. Well, you're definitely going to get a tailwind if the dollar continues to go down because most of these companies are foreign and they are their revenues are domiciled uh, or sorry uh, they're derived excuse me from uh, in foreign currencies and so if those currencies appreciate against the dollar that typically uh, helps and so I like what you're looking at here they are relatively big blue chip names now the fund is heavily weighted towards the financial services industry, about 28% in financial services, uh, which can be an issue. A lot of foreign banks are uh, not the best run, I will say that. So that worries me a bit. Uh, but it's, it is fairly spread out, not a lot in consumer defensive or technology uh, or basic materials. And that's really my my biggest gripe here is that only 2% of the fund is in basic materials. I need that to be double digits for me to get excited in this market. Uh, but overall, it's a pretty good fund. And uh, your your dividend yield, you know, I, I would always, I'm always weary that everyone's chasing dividend yield, although this one isn't that high. It's only about 2.5%. So uh, the expense ratio is 0.39, which is about average uh, for a an ETF. So overall, pretty good. I like that you're look I like the type of exposure you're looking at t- tilted towards the value side which most dividend strategies are as well as foreign stocks. So, uh great area, solid but not amazing vehicle to invest. Thanks for the call. Now let's grab another caller question now. This one came er- in earlier at 88899 chart. Hi there, this is Mimi from Philadelphia. I had a question about PE ratios. You speak of PE ratios when you are talking about the value of a stock. And you have shared with us that the PE is really what you need to look at, not necessarily the price of the stock to tell us whether a stock is cheap or expensive. So I was wondering if you could explain to us what PE ratio we should look at when we are trying to evaluate a stock for ourselves. I noticed that there's a couple of different PE ratios. And what average are we comparing it to? So for example, there's the trailing 12-month PE ratio. Would I compare it to the average PE ratio for the last one year, for the last five years, to say whether or not it is at a value price? Any comments about this would be appreciated. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. 
All right, great call. And I want to broaden this out and look at ratios in general because PE, while it's the most talked about and easiest for most people to understand, right? The price, which most people look at the think of the price as the price is trading at. What really it's it's trying to get at is what is the market cap, okay? Uh, and then earnings, which is the uh, amount of earnings the company makes. And that's how you create that that P ratio, either either uh, market cap divided by net earnings or current price divided by earnings per share. It all should come out the, the same number. Uh, and when you're looking at that number, which is flawed in a lot of ways because price is not including debt, earnings can be manipulated in a lot of ways. So we like to look at things like enterprise value, which encompasses the value of the equity and the debt. Uh, and you divide that by things like total revenue, EBITDA, uh, net income, etc. Those are better metrics for understanding what type of multiples the company is currently trading at. So that's that's ideal. And then you want to look at it in comparison to the industry as a whole and you make certain adjustments for that. Typically tech stocks, growth stocks, they trade at higher multiples and that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine to pay up for those multiples uh, up to a certain reasonable amount that makes sense. But typically, they will be in the same, all the companies within that industry will be in the same ballpark. Some will have higher multiples because they have better growth or better uh, technology or better uh, ecosystem, better management, things like that, uh, that will justifiably allow them to trade at higher multiples. But there may be more basic industries, commodity industries typically. They trade at low multiples. So you can't look at a commodity company and say it's trading at uh, five times enterprise value to EBITDA and compare that to a software company that might be trading at 18 times enterprise value to EBITDA. You're comparing apples to uh, kangaroos, really. They're very, very different type of companies and very, very different valuation metrics. And so I encourage you to go deeper than P-E ratio. That's what a lot of people talk about. But I think it's a, a tired and, and, and a ratio that doesn't really give you a good picture of what the true multiple the company is trading at. So I hope that helped. There's a lot more I can unpack, but hopefully that helped. Now, your participation is important in this show. And we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. I'm in my early 20s and I'm thinking of doing something that every article I read says not to. I noticed it took quite a fall. Yes, I know it's extremely risky. I have a little mixed feelings about this stock. And I wanted to see if this could be a riskier payoff in the long run. For the unprepared investor, market volatility around the world demonstrates risk. It remains a very, very tough business. But opportunities wait for no one. And now may be the best time in years to invest wisely. We got a lot of things cooking out there that we that the market has to think about. To invest strategically. We've moved very far, very fast. It needs to consolidate. KPP Financial Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein host a unique weekday finance and investment program and podcast, Invest Talk. Listen live or download the free podcast.
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open. 888-99 Chart. 888-99 Chart. 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 25 minutes left, but first I want to get to the the testifying of SEC new SEC chairman Gary Gensler and he is now Wall Street's top regulator and he's looking at whether to impose new restrictions on parts of Wall Street and mainly focusing on brokerage apps like Robinhood that nudge more 
stock traders. Gamifying the process of trading. Using graphics and rewards to nudge people into making making trades more often and creating worse outcomes is what he's saying. Saying that the rules to, for investor protections were written well before these easy to use online platforms were created. So we have to change with the technologies to freshen up those rules. And this is not just the SEC talking about it. Many lawmakers, after the whole GameStop saga, uh, back it as well. They say Robin is making it too easy for rookie investors to trade not just stocks, but options. Creating strategies that they really don't understand. And I think that's the biggest risk in the market right now, is that so many new investors have been able to access options without really educating themselves on the potential risks that they pose. And so look for these changes to come down the pipe. And this could actually have an impact on the market. Talked about the gamma squeeze for, for a while after GameStop. Well, the gamma squeeze is coming undone in a lot of these stocks. That was part of the whole Archegos blow up was the gamma squeeze came un unwound. They were using swaps and things like that, but there were a lot of issues with that that the SEC was not paying attention to. And you're seeing the downfall of ARC and those funds right now. A lot of it has to do with the unwind in this gamma flow. And speaking of flow, another thing they're looking at is the payment for order flow and the conflicts of interest it creates, and the concentration of the fact that Citadel and Virtus Financial now are the main buyers of this order flow from the Fidelities of the world, the Robinhoods of the world, the Schwabs of the world, etc. And what he's saying is that when you have this concentration, it leads to fragile markets and deters competition and limits innovation. And so I think this is going to gain steam, especially as there's not a whole lot for Congress to talk about right now after the stimulus bill is passed. And they're talking about the infrastructure bill, but that's going to take some time. But they can act on this, and I think they will act on it relatively soon. So it'll be interesting to see how the industry evolves and adjusts. Now, as I've told you, we get Invest Talk questions from across America and around the world. So here comes a question from a listener in Canada. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Siddharth Said calling from Canada. I have a question regarding VWAGY Volkswagen. It's been quite steady and holding for quite some time. I just like to add some more portion to my current position. But before that, I would like to understand all the other dynamics and numbers that probably help me to make these decisions. If you could give me your opinion and honest feedback. Thank you so much. I will listen to your answer on the upcoming podcast. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Looking at Volkswagen. And this is, uh, to me, the car company that has the best chance to come out as the leader in electric vehicles 
five to ten years from now. Why? Well, first off, they are a supremely good manufacturer of vehicles. From Volkswagen to Audi to Porsche to many other names that are brands that are well made out of Germany. And Germany has a long history of strong manufacturing. And they already have tons of great electric models from the Porsche Taycan to their uh, Audi e-tron uh, uh, lineup. In fact, my next car will probably be the e-tron GT. And so they definitely have the, the leg up um, because of that manufacturing prowess. And the automobile industry historically is very competitive. And I think this will be no different. Electrification of vehicles will be no different. It's still going to be a, a place where consumers have a lot of different choices. And thus, it's a competitive marketplace. It's just econo economics. And their technology is maybe not quite as strong uh, as Tesla yet. But in some areas, I think it, it is better. Um, and they're gaining ground quickly. And so... You kind of got a, a surge in Volkswagen shares, uh, what, this was a month ago or so? Let me take a look here. And it's come back down from a high of 48 and change. Now we're at 30, uh, but that was kind of a rush in. Uh, I'll tell you what I own. I actually own Porsche. There's actually a Porsche equity that you can buy. And they own shares of Volkswagen. And in fact, you actually get a 30% discount by owning Porsche over Volkswagen. A little hint there. So I actually like Porsche equity more. Let's go to Joe in Alameda and looking at MED, which is Metafast. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, back in uh, November, I decided to invest in the company Metafast. I noticed that a lot of my friends are complaining about gaining weight and stuff like that. It got me thinking, maybe there's some opportunity in that space. And um, There definitely was. I mean, the stock has doubled, so my question is kind of twofold. One, I'm doing really good on this position, and uh, two, I, I feel like it's an opportunity going forward. Uh, the stock has pulled back today with the broad market, and uh, I'm curious what you think about this company, the space, and... Um, the fundamentals that look pretty good, but I, I think that I might want to add more on the pullback. But like I said, it's 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 gone up dramatically. So um, I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah, I I think this is a good name to be adding on a pullback. Historically, it's very profitable. Return on assets of forty seven percent trailing twelve months, and that's been growing. So they have clear scale with their business. Net margins back in 2012 are 4%. Now it's 11. And revenues have basically tripled since then. And so clearly they are creating strong cash flows. $174 million trailing 12 months, $3.2 billion market cap. Profitability is very strong. They're paying a dividend. They're increasing that dividend. Uh, and so I, I think buying on a pullback is fine with me. I have, I have no problem with this name. I think uh, you, you do have uh, good secular tailwinds with 
especially baby boomers retiring and trying to maybe focus on their health and their longevity. And so I, I like this name because of that consistent cash flow, consistent profitability, and those secular trends that you talked about. Thanks for the call, Joe. Now we are already into the month of May. June is just around the corner. Summer is almost here. Is that crazy? And I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. What we do there is we help people more directly. We, we obviously help you on Invest Talk. That's what we want to do. And we want to help you try to figure out how to do it on your own. But I'll be frank here. I know that a good amount of you are not going to be able to garner the data, the discipline, and the time to do this well on your own. And that's why we help our listeners. We figure out what goals they have, and we figure out what strategy makes sense for them based on their risk tolerance level, based on those goals, so that we can increase the odds that they're successful and they reach their own version of financial freedom. And you can do that on your own, but if you're feeling like, especially now in this market where things are getting a little rougher, can you handle that? Do you have a strategy that you can deploy that can weather these downturns? Well, if you don't think you can do it, reach out to us. We can help you. We can implement unbiased guidance. That we, that's what we do on and off air. And that's why we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So you can send us a message through investtalk.com or you can call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We want to help you. So give us a call or send us a message. Next up, we will play a voice bank question that came in earlier from Baltimore asking about Costco. Hang on. That's next in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Matt from Baltimore. First off, thanks for all the advice that you guys give and putting out the podcast. I'm calling about Costco ticker C-O-S-T. I bought it for an account for my mother around 382 and it's finally back up to my cost basis. I'm wondering if I should sell and maybe get back in if it drops lower or do you think I should just hold it? I'm looking for a long-term dividend provider. So um, I'll listen to the podcast for your answer. Thanks. 
Well, Costco is certainly a very good company and has very strong long-term performance and should be on everyone's watch list for a potential buy. The question is, is now at $372 a share at the close today a good value? And I think the clear answer, if you're looking historically, is no. It's now trading an enterprise value to EBITDA of 22 and historically, it hasn't traded that high since the dot-com bubble. And even then, it wasn't that high. It was only around 20. Historically, this typically trades in the low teens on an enterprise value to multiple level. So it, that's 40% lower from here, which puts you at a value somewhere in the neighborhood of 250, 280. This needs to have a two in front of it for me to get excited about it. And you're talking about a dividend payer? Its current dividend yield is 0.8%, 0.8%. That's not very exciting. So as a business, Costco is exciting. I like Costco. It's the type of company I love to own. Its return equity is typically in the high teens to the low 20s. Return on invested capital in the mid-teens. Return on assets, six, seven, eight, nine percent consistently. Very strong cash flows. But at these valuations, it's just too high for me. And so I do think you'll get a better buying opportunity over the next couple of years, two, three years. And I would wait till it has a two in front of it, not a three. And so I would sell it and be patient. Let's go to Jacob in New York looking at M-A-R-A which is Marathon Digital Holdings. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Uh, it's coming. looks like it's coming down to its 200-day uh, EMA um, on the one-day candle. Um, and Bitcoin appears to be in a cyclical bullish cycle coming into it uh, towards the end of the year. With inflation also coming, I'm thinking of looking like this is around a good support number and uh, Bitcoin is expected to increase in price towards the end of the year. I think this would be an interesting play. Well, I'm actually extremely cautious on cryptocurrencies near term. I said that on Tuesday, and I don't know if you saw the news just an hour or so ago, but uh, Tesla is ex exiting Bitcoin because of the energy concerns, uh, and now uh, it's below, it's at, down to 51,000. Um, and I actually think by the time uh, 4th of July comes around, uh, Bitcoin will have a three and possibly a two in front of it. Um, and that will feed into this comp this type of company like Mara um, because they do, I believe, let's see, Bitcoin mining, correct? Um, yes. So I, this is not a name I would be owning uh, soon. Um, but if we get to 4th of July timeframe, you might be right. Maybe that's the, the buy the dip opportunity for the, for the, the balance of the year. But I also am seeing an increasing focus by Congress, by governments to take a look at, at Bitcoin and, and exert their power. And I actually think that's going to happen over the next 12 uh, to 18 months. In what way, shape or form? How does it affect the, the space? I'm not sure. But this is not an area that I'm excited to get into in the near term. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're heading into our final break, so I'm ready to take your questions right now at 888 chart
This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk with Dave in San Leandro. He's looking at BPMP, which is BP Midstream Partners. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it, Justin. I know nothing about it, though. This was just a recommendation from a friend uh, that he was looking at it. And, uh, I just want to know what you think. I value very much what you think. Okay. I appreciate that. Now, the first thing you have to understand that this is a limited partnership. So if you're getting that, you're looking at that 10% yield or your, uh, your buddy's looking at 10% yield, understand that that is not going to be a qualified dividend. That's going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Do you understand that? I understand. You've explained that several times. Yes, I remember that. Okay. So with that out of the way, let's look at the underlying business. And I'm assuming this is some sort of a spinoff from uh, BP uh, from back in the day. I'd have to look deeper into it. Um, but their, their revenues and their, their earnings have been relatively consistent even through the pandemic. They made a dollar fifty-eight in twenty nineteen. They made a dollar fifty-six in twenty twenty, and so let's make a dollar fifty-eight this year and a dollar seventy-four next year. So pretty consistent on that front, which which I like, and that's usually the the attractiveness of pipeline businesses is that it's more about the volume of moving uh, product than it is the underlying price of that product. So I will say that. Uh, their pay ratio is a bit high, so that worries me a little bit, that it is about 82% payout ratio. Its enterprise value is about 9.7. That's not too bad. Its long-term profitability is, is very high. Um, you know what, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I kind of like the space. I like the, the pipeline area. This wouldn't be my favorite within the space, uh, but I like that consistency and the fact that even in the pandemic, their business wasn't really disrupted too much. So uh, if you understand that that 10% dividend is going to look actually a lot less once you're taxed, understand that. And for those that are thinking, oh, well, I can put it into an IRA or a 401k, uh, there are rules around that as well. If you get over a certain dollar amount, you have to file another tax report, etc. It's a big pain. So uh, try to avoid that as well. But uh, good company, solid opportunity. Just understand those tax consequences. Now, from time to time, we get email questions. So let's tackle one right now. It says, hi, Stephen Justin. This is Jamie from Edmonton, Canada. I was wondering if you could do a technical analysis on Suncor Energy. SU is the symbol. My holdings are about 2% of my overall portfolio, and I'm wondering if I should add more. As of right now, my only stocks in the energy sector are Suncor and Enbridge. So 2% is not a, not a small position, but you know, I guess relatively small. And this is, stock has been really on a tear. Hit a double bottom back in November at about 11 and change. Now we're at 23, spot 30 at the close. Yields about 3%. 
$35 billion market cap, trailing 12 months at $8.6 million, billion, excuse me, uh, in sales. So it's a, it's a good business. And clearly they've been doing well because they, they engage in oil and gas exploration, refining, refining and marketing of oil, sands, and natural gas in Canada. They're affected by the potential uh, BP shutdown, or not BP, excuse me, the uh, Trans-Pacific, no, what, the pipeline. I'm trying to remember the name of it right now. <laughs> that connects Canada uh, because oil sands are really what that is trying to move. And oil sands are heavier, gunkier type of crude oil that's pulled from Canada, and it's harder to refine. And therefore, you need higher oil prices for their business to do well. And that's really the, the biggest issue here. Their volatility with the oil market is going to be very, very high because you need $60, $70 oil for these oil sand projects to be profitable. And so... That's really the worry here, is it's going to be much more volatile than the overall energy market. But I am relatively bullish on the energy market in the short and medium term. So I would add to it, but as we get towards maybe $75, $80 a barrel, I would be reducing my position and trying to uh, maybe bring that back down to 2%. But around 60 I still think there's upside for the oil patch. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasen, I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. You can get free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. As always, investtalk.com as well. Be sure to rate and review. You can browse by podcast topic. You can look at 401ks, real estate, treasury yields, growth stocks, etc. That might help your friends and family as well try to find an episode that might appeal to them. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.